This is the Open Ended Podcast, where two best friends discuss tech, culture, and a side of sass. I'm sure Vincent, and I'm really loud on this PA, but um, we are live at WMC, and I had pizza for breakfast and orange juice, so I made a lot of bad life decisions this morning. I think you honestly made incredible life decisions, no, you're to not be completely to milk, honest. You're not, you're not supposed to mix milk and orange juice. It makes your stomach hurt. I mean, if that's your cup of tea. No, but like I did that this morning, and my stomach is killing me right now. <laughs> like I made a bad life choice. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm James T. Green, and I am blown away still by how cheap everything is out here in Cleveland. Don't be that. Don't be that Chicago person. I'm gonna be that Chicago person right now. This entire trip has been completely under budget, except for guac. I'm looking at you, Barrio. Your guac <laughs> was six dollars. That guac was not worth six dollars. That's all I got to say. Don't drag them. <laughs> They're right down the street. <laughs> I'm a brass Chicagoan. This is what I do. Oh, my God. This is what I do. But yeah, we are, but yeah, we are live in Cleveland, our first outside of Chicago show. Out of state. And as I'm... That's, as, as, as it's called. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> that is true. Um, but incredibly, incredibly excited because we're going to talk about a couple of things today. What are we going to talk about, Cher? We're going to talk about copyright <laughs> copywriting, you know, materials, um, stealing, in both pros and cons of stealing things that don't necessarily belong to you. Yeah, and especially for this type of co- topic, we figured why not bring on one of our like good Chicago friends that have this type of like story behind them. So we'd like to welcome Christina Vanco. What's Christina, up, Christina? Hey, girl. Oh, hey. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming all the way from Chicago. I mean, we are road tripping here together, so it wasn't a huge deal, but we're happy to have you. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so as we ask everybody who joins us before we dig into it, who are you and how you fill your time? Well, I'm Christina Vanko. I'm an art director by day, but a hand letter and illustrator by night. I'm also the author of Hand Lettering for Everyone, and I'm currently writing a new book called Adultish. Um, yeah, that's, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I love how, like, humble you are. I'm like, you wrote a book, and it's like, selling, and it's awesome. Like, I, I love your book. It's really cute. Oh, thank you. And I'm so excited for your new book. So, um, as far as your hand lettering goes, um, when did that become such a focus for you as far as your art practice? Um, so, when I graduated college, or right before graduation, we got to do a BFA project. And at the time, I was still kind of teeter-tottering the line of, I really like hand-done stuff, but I really like design because I might get a job in design. So I really wanted to combine those two practices somehow. And I asked my professors, hey, like, I really love drawing. I really love typography. Can I do something for hands lettering? And so basically... We had to create a BFA thesis, and my thesis was a campaign for cursive handwriting because it was a hot topic then. Indiana University was a great school that um, a lot of the lead research was coming out of about what are the positives from cursive and teaching it. And actually, I had a friend in the psychology program who was working with that professor. And so got to talk to her, got to really learn the benefits of cursive and really fell in love with it and thought what better way to create something based upon cursive than to utilize hand lettering in a campaign for cursive so that's where I kind of got my start and 
after like getting my first job, I was doing a lot of software design and interactive design, and I really was missing that hand lettering and hand drawn bit of my life. So in my free time, I spent a lot of time hand lettering. So it all kind of came from there. All right. So my big question right now is what is the difference between hand lettering and calligraphy? So hand lettering is the art of illustrated typography. So you kind of sketch it out, think it through a little bit longer. While calligraphy is the art of artful writing and it like flourishes from the hand naturally. So there's not as much, well, there's a lot of thinking involved, but it's more instant versus I could go back or erase things with hand lettering. So it takes a little bit more time and it's more illustrated or drawn out. Okay. All right. Um, so I definitely wanted to like dig right in because you are someone that completely participates in like commerce in selling your work. You know what I mean? And selling books and selling products that, you know, has your items in there. Um, and going into counterfeiting, let's first step, let's first step back because share. I have a little bit of a story. story. So let's let's tell the story. So, okay. So the year was 2016. (laughs) It was last week. Um, I I was trying to see this band that I claimed to be my favorite band, Radiohead. They were playing this music festival in Chicago called Lollapalooza. And I had always gotten a press pass through them. So I was I was pretty privileged. I never really necessarily had to buy tickets for this music festival until this year. Um, I'm going to drag the guy a little bit. He, the guy I was supposed to get a press pass for him decided to take the press pass for himself and wouldn't give it to me. So Aww. I had to like go through you know third-party services to figure out a way to get a ticket for this one particular night that Radiohead was playing. And I ended up getting a fake ticket. <sighs> Blue $160, money I'll never see again. Oh, no. Yeah, it was awful. I was really upset, not so much about, like, the money, but also just, like, the memory. I'll never have that now. And I had friends in the audience. It was going to be great. So, you know, after, you know, stepping back and kind of, like, you know, grieving privately and then finding out that, like, oh, I can see them in Austin. It's fine. Um, I kind of, like, thought about the idea of them stealing the ticket as far as the artwork goes, the copyrighted material, and how it was different, obviously, from the original. That's how it was, you know, I know this is a fake, but just, you know, seeing how people can, like, repurpose this art for devious activities, Mm -hmm. you know, stealing money from, you know, honest people. So um, have you ever been in a situation where you have had your your work um, either altered or counterfeited or no someone has? I haven't really been in a situation such as that, except actually a few weeks ago I did get counterfeit Beyonce tickets. So <sighs> that was awful because they literally Photoshopped the ticket. And I'm great at Facebook stalking. I found this guy and he's a lawyer. Like, why do you do that? Yeah, the guy that I got my ticket from, he worked at a church. Yeah, it You makes... think that someone have scruples. They don't. They Ethics. do not have scruples. <laughs> yeah, like, what the fuck? Where are they? Okay, so set up the story. How did you come across these tickets? 
Craigslist. Craigslist. Oh. Craigslist, man. I've had great luck on Craigslist, though. Same. Like, my computer's from Craigslist. i got roommates from Craigslist. i got roommates, too. Yeah, so, like, like I think you're, like, Craigslist. I've gotten jobs through Craigslist. Right. I think you're, like, Craigslist, you know, you're my main homie. You know, I figure we got this, and clearly we don't. Right, <laughs> and I was being super careful, like, especially with last time with... My computer, like, we were on a three-way call with Apple, transferring the license. So, like, it was very professional. He wrote a contract out. Like, it was great. But, yeah, in terms of art, not really. Like, I kind of follow my um, hashtag for my book. And there are some people that kind of copy, like, the illustrations in the book. But I kind of get that because they're still learning. And the art's in front of them, and they're trying to use their pencils. And What do you mean? It's, like, trying to learn? The yeah. illustration style? Yeah. So, like, I have some, like, on each page in the book, there's something hand-lettered. And with that, I think a lot of people are like, well, maybe this is my chance to kind of letter the same exact thing. But I think as you learn, you kind of understand, like, well, I'm kind of developing my own learnings from this. Mm-hmm. And then they go their own way. So, mm-hmm. possi- like, I take it like that. Mm-hmm. But I haven't had anything big stolen from me what was uh what was your initial like when you were learning the hand letter like what were you copying to try to get find your style it wasn't necessarily copying it's more so looking around for inspiration and being like wow that person really flourished their why let's see if i could flourish my why like that or wow they used a drop shadow that has speckles in it so i'm gonna speckle my drop shadow like it's more like picking and choosing from a like a vast range of different artists and kind of seeing what I could do and like knowing, oh, this is possible, but how can I add my spin on things? Right, right. Um, So I wanted to dig right into some recent sort of stealings that have been happening in the art and design world. So we're getting close to home a bit. Yeah, so we're going to get salacious, kind of like TMZ version (laughs) of this, but open-ended style. Oh, yeah. We're going to drag some folks. So first we're going to start off with me. So, (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, so I recently had a shirt design stolen, and it wasn't necessarily stolen as in copying, pasting my art and placing it on somebody else's product. It was instead like kind of like the intellectual property Mm -hmm. kind of wavering line between that all, uh, except they just use terrible typography. Um, And and then I think about uh, Tuesday Bathin that had the incredible um, sort of stealing of her work in Zara. Zara, yeah. Um, But like, I'll go back to your your thing. I mean, it was your shirt was for charity. Right. Exclusively for charity for Black Lives Matter. And then someone turned that shirt, took terrible typography from it. Terrible. Terrible trash. It was like... Okay, did you even see the shirt? And then made it for profit. Yeah, we we ain't even gonna talk about that Ariel condensed life. It was just but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, and then turned it to profit. And I was immediately brought into the world of intellectual property and having to describe and like do it. And was, this was actually the first time I've ever had to go through this. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of blown away with the entire process. So is that something that you're kind of scared about whenever you're like looking at those whys and and going into your like field of inspiration. Right. I mean, I think like, especially with the Tuesday Bassin um, case, like everything was literally totally copied. Mm -hmm. Like I would at least hope hand letters out there and like illustrators would at least 
add their flair or well not add their flair but like take a completely different quote like it's not necessarily like I want like to do the same thing but yeah I guess I am scared when it comes down to it (laughs) yeah it's scary I mean like something you put onto the world you know it kind of you know like we've talked about this before as far as like um people kind of taking ownership of your own things but like in a like a conceptual way, a conceptual way, not necessarily like, like say for instance, like I have my favorite song that belongs to me. It's not, but like, you're not going to take that and then, you know, remix it or take that song and claim it as your own right? with like, you know, with counterfeiting and with replicating music or, or replicating, you know, hand lettering or shirts or whatever kind of product that you make. It's, it's terrifying because it, when you put stuff out into the world, you hope the p- people enjoy it, but you also are, you hope the people don't take advantage. Right. Well, and it's also hard too, like, because Instagram and like Twitter and basically any sharing platform is a great way to reach your audience. Like I have a friend who just ran into an issue. Her um, handle on Instagram is, or her hashtag, it's a hundred days of tiny things. So she's taking little drawings and basically adding like an object and drawing around it. So there's this other Instagram handle that basically took her artwork and put it in his poems. Like, and she's like, I feel so uncomfortable. I'm like, you just need to contact him and tell him, no, this is my work. I know this, this is basically out in the open, but it's not free to use. So I think when we get into Instagram and all that sort of stuff, it's kind of hard because it's like, I'm putting it out there. I'm just hoping nobody's going to take it. Yeah, and people don't take credit a lot because I know, like, you have, um, with, like, Instagram, you have, like, these kind of, like, photographs that could be used as, like, stock footage. Yeah. And then you'll have, like, people, like, stealing it and claiming it as their own. Like, I took this picture. Like, no, actually, you didn't. Or, like, the whole, like, reposting. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. Yes. And that's like, wait a minute. Okay, let's go go into these repostings. Yeah. (laughs) So why do you hate it? Because I have my own thoughts, too. Well, because I feel like my Instagram is for me. Whatever I produce on it, like, for example, it could be anything from anybody's art to, like, those cheesy quotes that you're Googling, like, let's Google a quote about positivity and I'm going to screenshot that. And it's like, no, this is a place for you to create content. It's not for you to repost everybody else's. Like, you are your, I know it sounds awful, your brand, but (laughs) create from your own handle. Like, it makes no sense to me. Like, maybe if it's some, like, I approve of things that are like, this is inspired by, and then maybe linking out, but Mm -hmm. I just don't like when people totally lift work but mm. that's just me <laughs> yeah like only only time i think reposting is like acceptable is like say for instance like a friend picture yeah. and you're like, you have, like oh exactly and you have like a bunch of us in the same picture like i can repost this on my handle because i'm in this picture yeah and you were there other. right exactly but like it's like your likeness essentially right. is in the photo that's fine but like anytime else it was kind of like a bit awkward right it's like um i mean you can like it but you don't have to repost it right <laughs> or like i find it acceptable maybe to like share on twitter but yeah. then that also comes with a you know what i really love the artwork of insert said person here sure. something like that versus like this is my feed people might actually look at it and think oh you created that because i think that's where i'm like getting a little bit uncomfortable because people might actually start thinking that mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's not yours so yeah. what are your thoughts on those instagram uh users that i don't, I don't even know what they're called are they are they 
visual art curators? Are they, I don't know, Instagram thought leaders? I don't know. Like that, <laughs> oh, that, that literally, uh, I know, I know. I'm, I'm doing this while doing this motion. Like, yeah. <laughs> which is, the, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, of those like type of people. Um, what do you feel? Well, how do you feel about those type of folks? I mean, I guess there are certain handles. I think what really comes to mind are like the Chicago, like, photo type blogs like when they act as a blog and they're constantly featuring other artists that's a different story because I feel like Instagram's turning into a tumblr of sorts mm. but when it's like me and I'm just posting everyone and their mom's work that's that gets a little weird because it's like I'm not quite an influencer with 50,000 followers that people think like oh you're not you don't get free shit I don't. Well, oh, sometimes, but not really. <laughs> a coffee here and there. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. <laughs> the free coffee is, is coveted and always appreciated. Yeah. Always. Oh, for sure. But I think unless you're a handle that is acting like a blog, don't repost. All right. Golden rule by Christina herself. Yeah. So I want to move on to the idea of mass production, um, especially since we live in this commerce-driven capitalist society, mm-hmm. as we always have to. Snap, snap, snap. <laughs> Make <And> that money. <laughs> I know. We're here in the vendor Rich. village, and everyone is literally selling their shit. Right, it's like, on the first. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's all, you know, hey, we got to make that money. Um, and I want to talk about this idea of uh, like the pros and cons of having things mass-produced versus having it be a one-off product. So, mm-hmm. like, I'm curious, like, what are your thoughts on, like, selling one-of-a-kind um, works versus having a multitude of prints that you can just mass produce? Mm-hmm. Well, I actually haven't created prints, but I really should. <laughs> <laughs> Valid. Yes. Um, I mean, I think it's great. I think a lot of people who do share print work, it's just making especially with designers it's making art accessible which is great but when it comes to original work I see the reasoning behind people making prints just so they could keep their copy well I don't really know how to answer this question yeah I mean like with mass production there's different levels like you have like small rounds like you know with like t-shirts you have like you know exclusive or prints even like this is out of 300 prints yeah for sure. And like the numbering, like, or like, like screen printing, you'll have like posters or like yeah. one out of like 700 or one out of 400 or t shirts. This is like a box out of 1,000 because right. they get like certain price breaks or whatever. But I think um, with mass production, there is definitely a, a pro to that. I mean, for just on a capitalistic perspective, I mean. Right. I think it gets dangerous, like with the Zara case, that someone might see it, a big company might think, oh, hey, this this is ours for the taking because right. we could mass produce this and nobody will notice. But everybody knows designers and anybody who's culturally relevant with art, like, they know. For sure. And, like, social media definitely cracked that open. For sure. I mean, like, I feel like, I mean, this is not anything new. Right. Forever 21 is awful, 20, too. Yeah, and like, H, H&M. Like, this, they've been doing this for decades. Right. It's just now that, like, with social media, it's easy to find, it's easier to find it out. Like, I think Zara had been maybe doing it maybe, like, a year, yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But that, I mean, like, and even that's pretty long, considering that um, that uh, Tuesday Bastion is pretty prominent online. Like, she has a very... Right. Very faithful, very large audience online, right. and her people 
found it and like sought it out. But um, I mean, they could, it could have gone. On. Like, I feel like if social media wasn't a, a platform and a place for right. it to be discovered, it could have gone on for years. Right, and I know fashion's a weird space because isn't there technically no copyright with mm, fashion? Yeah, there is no copyright. So. That's interesting. Yeah. Can you go into that a little bit? Because I'm not familiar with like how Yeah, so basically, like, you know how they're knockoff coach bags? Basically, the logo is the way that a brand really defines themselves. And I know I'm very anti-logo with my clothing, but that's their way of protecting themselves to say, like, hey, this is how we made it. Just because it's hard to basically copyright a shirt because everybody needs to wear shirts. But I mean, not everybody. Well, true. <laughs> but um Free the nipple. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But I just, I just remember going to a lecture in college about that and it was like, oh, this is so interesting, it makes so much sense. But when it's like blatant art stealing, I feel like that's where it draws a different line. Hmm. So Yeah, I, I feel like the actual like craft of the T shirt can't be copyrighted, but maybe the design? Right. Yeah, because that's the art part technically. Yeah. Whereas, like, the shirt, maybe the craft. Yeah. It's it's a weird thing. It's, it's loopholes, man. There's so many of so them. So many of them. So, um, but yeah, it's interesting because, like, you have, like, we're, like right where we are now, you have, like, I mean, a lot of these um, vendors are small press. So they're not making, like, hundreds of thousands of shirts per right. day. I mean, if they are awesome, good for them. So awesome. But um, a lot of these, I'm sure, are making, like, you know, maybe the tens of thousands at most. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's definitely a cost of loss for them if somebody steals their product because they can probably do it cheaper right. on a lot of these products. A lot of these, you know, very close, um, low impact copywriting, um, copywriting um, design shows. We have like higher quality of shirts, mm-hmm. higher quality of fabrics. So it's much more at expense to them for them to produce products than when you have like show like you have like shirts from H and M or right. from um Forever Twenty One. They don't really care about it so much. It's more about a bottom line cut. So right. they don't really care. So it's not even so much about the actual copywriting issue, but it's actual the the the, the actual product that gets taken away too. Right. Which is shitty for the consumer. Right. Yeah, yeah, I feel like these big corporations don't understand, like, this is the way people make livings because they easily... They don't care. Yeah, they don't. They're like, oh, well, you should have, you know, you should have protected yourself more. And it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> sorry for me to have, like, sorry, sorry that I have, you know, trust, you know, in humanity or whatever. Right. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of loop back to intellectual property yeah and i'm curious with you as you are a shop of one essentially as a what as a shop of one uh-huh um and i guess you know also counting your editors and everything with the books uh-huh. are you interested in staying small are you interested in like i don't know like being as big as like fucking urban outfitters <laughs> um huh I think it would be really cool to be big, but then also there is a certain beauty to being small just because you do enter, like, for example, I may only have, like, 3,000 followers, but, like, certain people, like, comment all the time, and it's a really great community because we all help each other. But then, like, I think of the positives to, like, growing and becoming bigger. That would be awesome to see your work out there even more. So it definitely is a weird line that... 
I think I see positives in both directions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like too when you have like a smaller audience, you have a higher advantage for risk taking. Yeah, exactly. Because you don't have you know all these investors or and or backers, you know, relying on a bottom line to be met or right. a certain um, a certain quota that has to be. Um, agreed upon to make you know the next round of funding or whatever that right. you have and when you're small potatoes or not potatoes but like smallish you still have you have opportunities and room to grow right. and room to just you know take a different um direction with right. your work yeah and you could still s- i'm not sure if like all the people who do go very big have certain stipulations that they need to, or constraints that they need to stay in it's nice having that freedom like I could do this and be okay with it. Sure. I feel like a lot of t- people, too, who, like, go big, they do it so that, like, one point they can buy their way out yeah. and then get the same freedom. It's like, you can do that when you're small, though. Mm-hmm. Right. So are there any, like, risks that you've particularly taken since you have, uh, like, a small, dedicated audience? Okay. Um, any risks? So my other Instagram handle is 100 Days of Adulting. And I feel like I'm I'm talking to myself talking about myself in handles right now. This is ridiculous. <laughs> my Christi- Embrace it. Exactly. My Christina Vanko handle I feel like embraces cuteness a lot more. Well, my hundred days of adulting handle is a bit more snarky and sassy. I do have that side to me, little that you may know. <laughs> but like it's really fun to like take those risks there like I drew a tampon the other day I wouldn't do that on Christina Vanko actually I might because my mom's a guy now but like <laughs> but like yes. I feel more free to do it there so yeah I love that yeah just having just being able to like and I and I also I think with social media giving yourself multiple handles if you will it gives you different ways to like express that personality too right. and just like you know try something new kind exactly. of like crowd like kind of like crowdsource or like a b test yeah. certain products and like okay it's going from this particular um lane of consciousness as far as this particular handle goes this quote-unquote brand right it's just so weird that like yeah you kind of think of yourself in handles and like Man, I might need a new Christina Vanko handle for my actual self. Like, I like <laughs> selfies, but I can't post them anymore. Like, stuff like that. Why that, can't you? I mean, if I post buildings or pictures of myself, I might lose a few followers, and it's ridiculous I think of things that way. So, so it's interesting. Um, I, there are some friends of mine. I'm not going to put them out there because <laughs> they have secret handles that, you know, like, you know, her her, her IRL friends, like, right. you know, like, I'll follow and all those type of people, um, whereas she does, like, post her selfies and like weird things right. like for instance um that like sign a, we saw today what's up <laughs> that sign we saw yeah, today. yeah exactly like shit like that or um you know like like i, I don't know like a smashed bug that looked really interesting <laughs> yeah. on the ground but like her actual handle which is her name is like all the polished like work and everything exactly so do you feel that almost being like a step where people are doing if let's say they're not comfortable with having their name being attached to I guess they're full, quote-unquote, self. Yeah, I think so. Actually, there's this one designer who's really awesome, Joseph Alessio. He's got beautiful typography, but I know he just um, created a personal handle for himself. And if you haven't looked at his work, it's beautiful, but I think it's one of those things that, like, if I post something that isn't polished anymore, 
like none of us are actually using Instagram to post things in the moment. And I think that's where like the beauty of this Instagram moment stuff is because it's like, wow, these are real people. They're not polishing everything that they put out there on the internet. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I see that shift happening, but maybe Instagram's trying to solve that problem. Do, do you, do you desire to be yourself online? Is that something you wish to be? Yeah, I think I do, but also I'm kind of I'm kind of okay with not posting too much just because everybody does need a filter somehow and like I do maybe take like 20 pictures of the same thing so I could figure out like which one had the best lighting, which one had the best composition because that's like the art director in me trying to art direct my life. Um, but I'm okay with that because I never have really been an oversharer. I'm more of an oversharer on Twitter because I think it's just a funnier place and you don't need visuals attached to it. So maybe my true self is my Twitter self. Uh. (laughs) I'm about that. I think like I have like secret Twitter accounts too because my I get, I get like in my emotions about certain things. Yeah, exactly. But um and it's going on like even like Twitter, there are like there's controversy with like comedians on Twitter mm-hmm. and their jokes being stealing on Twitter. So oh, on Twitter. Totally. Yeah, and that's copywriting material. Yeah. Sort of intellectual property, co- just comedy and their jokes. Like co- comedians are huge on Twitter because they can like A B test their jokes for their stand up shows. Right. Or just like just keeping the funny jokes coming, coming, coming because it's like one liners right. essentially with 140 characters. And then you have some asshole who talks about it like on a podcast and then steals it to whatever right. their fans. <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck, man? Like, like that's mine and it's it's hard to like and that's even harder to get to too because like you have issues with like people videotaping comedy shows illegally and just any kind of um intellectual property is being stolen and just places like twitter is so simple right exactly because the retweet button yeah and then you know it's I mean it's funny but then you have like people steal it or say in IRL you know in real life like yeah ha 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 and no one probably will know that that joke's from like a comedian right because like because they're probably will call that comedian or yeah. it's such a like a deep cut from like whatever your social media pa- platform you're using and you're like oh oh fuck like my my shit's being used in some like you know whatever right and you can't I don't it's hard to get a handle of that yeah no for sure yeah so because uh, hearing that made me think a lot about, as you said, like comedians having their shows taped. So do you have like no social media zones in your life where you're like, OK, this is something that is not going to be taped or broadcast or anything? Um, yeah, I think there are definitely points. For example, um, I really love my niece and her parents are two lawyers. They're crazy lawyers. I mean, they're great lawyers in the sense that they're like. No, I'm the, I don't want any pictures of my child shared online because she hasn't given consent yet. And I'm like, oh, that totally makes sense. That's a very lawyery response. So it's really hard to like not share that stuff online because she says the funniest stuff and has the cutest pictures. And I want to be like, this is my niece. She's just like me. But I can't do that. Like there are certain things like that, especially for family oriented things. I'm like, just like all of us, there are certain things we want to keep private. So... 
yeah, there are definitely things that I censor from my life. And one of them, unfortunately, is my really adorable, cute niece that I can't wait until she's like, yeah, take the selfie. And I'll be like, <laughs> yes, let's just, do it. You're just waiting for that moment yes. where you're like, all right, when can I do this? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but like certain things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think family, for the most part, I think generally is pretty much off limits or like, you know, with comedians and stuff like that, how they talk about their family. But, like, it's it's kind of like, you know, when you have, like, your mama jokes and, uh-huh. like, you're the only person who can make fun of your mom, but anybody else makes fun of your mom, you're like, no, how right. dare you? Like, she's my mother. It's exactly. kind of one of those situations where, like, this is mine. I'm the only person who can shit on this. Yeah. No one else can shit on but me. And even then, it's kind of like, you know, a very, it's an ownership Mm-hmm. of that you know to a certain degree and I don't know it's like I don't talk about my family too much right. I, try, I try to keep it like even on the show like there has been moments where I had to like, tell James like hey I know I just went on a 15 minute spiel about my mom could we all delete all of that please right because I don't want any of that on the air because it's super private and I was went in tangent to make a point but like also take the shit off please because like, right. I know she listened to the show and I don't ever want her to know that I thought about that so no 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 and um, it's just you know, even this show, you know, you have certain conversations that you have or certain things that you've put online and hear it be, you know, re reblogged, re twisted and like taking things out of context. It's it's right. really tricky, you know, this copywriting because, you know, down when it comes down to it, they're taking things out of context. Exactly. You know, like going back to your T shirt, like they took something that was pure and beautiful, that was for that was for charity, that was nonprofit, and they turned it into a for profit thing. Took it completely out of context. Like what the fuck? Like <laughs> it's awful. Like even with like, and I'm not, and I'm trying to shit on Tuesday Bassin, but like they still, even though the products were totally shitty, it was still for women. It was still geared towards women, and it was it was made for a mass product. But like your shirt was like totally in a different direction. It like. It was made for some dude to make money off of it. And, you know, you have these products that are made with good intentions. And then, you know, someone sees an opportunity and then takes it away. So um, I have a question, though. Uh Um, Have you thought if in the situation where you would be a part of this, do you think do you have any like kind of like any safeguards to protect yourself from that? Or has it something you've ever come across that you feel like you should protect yourself from? I've never come across that, but luckily, like I said, my sister's a lawyer and for a lot of things like I know she deals with the environment, but (laughs) she still knows the basics of like contract law and will tell me my rights. And like I mean, just going through contracts alone with a lot of things, it's like, what is this language that I'm reading? So I think, like, I know there are plenty of arts organizations that, like, if there is a problem that comes up, you could go to them and they could kind of give you counsel. Like, I feel like everybody really needs that, like, in their lives when they come across a problem. And there are plenty of, like, organizations like that to seek out. But, yeah, just having, I don't know, just, like, understanding what you're actually signing or what you're dealing with and like getting someone to translate that legal jargon is definitely important because I know like when I was going through my book contract there's like the authors guild and there was another organization in New York for like independent artists like they all a lot of people are there to help Mm -hmm. so 
Yeah, and that helps too because like artists actually give a shit about artists to exactly. a certain degree. Um, it's a community. Even if you know you're in a different city or a different country, you guys are you rally because like when the Tusi Bassin thing happened, there were so many people coming behind her and exactly. saying like, "What the fuck is this shit?" Retweeting it, there was so much support. It was really beautiful to see, honestly. Right. And seeing like cover stories about it and just the artist community really rallying for this artist and saying this is wrong. Right. And I know she had mentioned like I wrote. Or I had a lawyer write like a two thousand dollar letter for me, but like all that extra support like means probably the world to like her case, like that people will come and help her, like getting all that media. So it's a great thing. Yeah, for sure. So get some legal advice. Get um have a lawyer, kids. That's <laughs> <laughs> more of that story. Yeah, I think we should. Um, <laughs> so thank you again for. You know, spending a little bit of time with yeah. us, yes. getting to learn a little bit more about what you do, you know, getting us all lawyered up and, <laughs> and thinking, fired up. Yeah, and thinking about, you know, having people not take our stuff. Yeah, totally. It's really, really helpful. So, aside from being all over the internet with all these different handles, what are some that people should be like looking out for? What are some handles that people should be following for you? Oh, for me? Oh, my personal yes. handles? Um, Christina Vanko. There's no H in Christina. That's my name. Um, 100 Days of Adulting. Um, and that's about it, because I keep my branding consistent. <laughs> yeah. Right well, thank on. you so much, Christina. Of course. Yes. So we're going to take a quick break to give a shout out to some of our sponsors, because Open Ended ain't free. And we got to make sure that we can afford to come on out to Cleveland, eat your $6 guacamole oh. <laughs> that mm -hmm. you have out here. So our first sponsor for today is Warby Parker. And for listeners of the Open Ended Podcast, Warby Parker is offering a free five-day home try-on to give you opportunity to check out their glasses. I am wearing a pair of Warby Parkers, and they are absolutely fantastic. They fit my face, surprisingly, and I think I look pretty bomb in them. You look pretty dapper, James, I have to say. Thank you. Thank you. I wish I could say the same for me, but <laughs> I, I dream to be a Warby Parker owner one day. I really do. <laughs> Hopefully, when they have a new round of glasses, one of them will, will shape my face well, because mm -hmm. currently they do not. That's okay, because... That, that could be you. That could be you. You could have classes by Warby Parker. You can go to warbyparkertrial.com slash postloudness to let us know that you came from us. Again, that's warbyparkertrial.com slash postloudness for your free five-day home try-on. Yes, and that is postloudness, P-O-S-T-L-O-U-D-N-E-S-S. -S. One word. One word. And we also have our second sponsor today, which is Jackbox Games. And you can get five hilarious party packs in the Jackbox Party Pack from the creators of You Don't Know Jack. Now on Xbox One, PS3, PS4, Steam, and more. You can go to jackboxgames.com for more information. So here is our personal favorite part of the show. And I think you know what time it is, Cher. What time it's it? open call time. It's open call time. Open call. It's open call time. Open call. Open call. It's open call time. So for people who have no idea what open call is, open call is where we give a shout out for what is that we're feeling every single week. So 
for our guest, what are you feeling this week? This is so hard. Well, the 100-day project just ended. That's a project for me that I've loved for the last two years. Um, you should definitely check out that hashtag. There's so many, That's another great example of how awesome the internet community is, just because one hashtag has so many thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of pieces of art now. That's one thing that I'm really passionate about and loving and oh. feeling. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> so what about you, Cher? What are you feeling? Um, last <laughs> night, um, I got an invitation from um, WMC's very own Amber Patrick. She's a photographer around here. She's awesome. You should check her out her work online. A terror musical. You should really check it out. Um <laughs> And she invited us to the Burlesque Festival last night, and it was dope as fuck. I have never seen so many wonderful, um, like, ladies of all sizes, of all of all backgrounds, ages. It was fantastic. It was so much fun. It was international. There was people from London, from, um, not, well, not London specifically, but the UK, um, Canada. There's people from, there's a couple of people from Chicago. It was really great. It was really Indiana. fun. Yeah, so like it was, it was really fun, and just like seeing all these like really empowering women, you know, being proud of their bodies and just loving themselves and loving their community, and it was just really nice. And also the audience was really mixed. Like there was like married couples, straight couples, um, LGBTQA couples available. It was just really, really fun, and I'm glad I was able to make it out. And it was all for charity. I don't know. I was just, like, in my happy girl feels the whole night. Like, this is fantastic. I love it. And I wish I had, like, the moves and also the boobs to, like, do burlesque. Because I do not have them at all. Um, So that's what I'm feeling this week. Burlesque Festival. What about you, James? So what I am feeling this week is actually going off of the burlesque festival that we went to last night. And I forgot the name of this dancer, but it was at the very end of the Burlesque Festival. And I, oh, if I remember your name, I will add it to the show notes. But he. It was James and the Giant Pasty. Yeah, pasty. James and the Giant Pasty. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I don't know. It was know, your name. Yeah, it was, it was my name. <laughs> I'm not sure of their pronouns, um, but so I'll use they. Um, so they you, uh, danced to uh, Landslide by Fleetwood Mac. Amazing. So I'm giving a shout out to Landslide by Fleetwood Mac because I did not know that I would almost be brought to tears <laughs> during a burlesque dance. And we ended up, the three of us, leaving there. We listened to it on the way home, driving along uh, 9094. Blasting. Blasting the song, <laughs> like singing to our heart's content. And I had an emotional We're just moment. embracing the Stevie, you know, embracing yeah. our Stevie Nicks. And it was a lovely time. And I'm like smiling, thinking about it. Um, and then also, of course, I got to give a shout out to Work From Home by Fifth Harmony. Yes. It, has been, it has been our song of the weekend. We've sang it. I don't even know how many times. It's, it's such so a good, good song. Just, you know, it's like, dun, 
We just been seeing it consistently we throughout the weekend. We just <laughs> trolled everyone with yes. that right there. I don't even <laughs> care. I don't even care. It's, it's a great song. The video still confuses me. Yeah. I'm not really sure what's going on. They're like, I think it's like Habitat for Humanity. Probably not. Oh, so, my God. <laughs> maybe it's charity. Maybe it's not. But, like, you know, I'm here for it. And I love the song for it. So, uh, yeah, I co-sign all of those uh, shout-outs this week. So, yeah, right open call. So, I think we've hit the end of another fantastic open-ended. We keep on doing this thing. We keep on making it happen. This is episode 67. I can't believe we have made it this far. 67, guys. (laughs) So, if you are not familiar, open-ended is Cher Vincent and myself, James T. Green. And open-ended is also a proud member of Post Loudness, a collective of independent audio shows hosted by people of color, women, and queer-identified hosts. If you like this show, you very well might enjoy a show called Unlearned. And Unlearned is a weekly podcast focused on unlearning harmful narratives taught to us about blackness, womanhood, sexuality, and religion. Through their show, they hope to deconstruct these power structures and to create a space of relearning, showing that blackness means many things, that is comprised of many stories and that many voices make our own choir you can find them on itunes google play or wherever you find your podcasts you can shout out to chicago podcast co-op for letting us be a part of their network and rcp shout out this week is tie pencils tie pencils is a show that explores a process of making art Matt and kevin sit down with a maker cartoonist painter or designer to find out about their work and what inspires them to create that is tie pencils on the chicago podcast co-op brought to you by chicago- cards against humanity yeah and especially since we're here at this festival where there's a bunch of people who are in fact making these type of things i definitely think y'all should check out tight pants pencils and check out unlearn because let's put a little bit more blackness in your life and this festival <laughs> so we want to give a thank you to weapons of mass creation for letting us use their, their theater space and you know add a little bit more melanin to this space um production oh, editing mixing and music is provided by me James T. Green, with production assistance by Taz Kelleher and editorial oversight by Sir Vincent. You can rate us on iTunes, only five stars. We do not take anything lower than five. It shouldn't even be an option to go anything lower than five, really, guys, because we're awesome. And you can go and re- recommend us on Overcast. Just slide on down when you scroll and make that one little star. You can find us on the Stitcher. And if you notice, we might have sponsors, but that doesn't pay for everything. No, so it does not. you guys should definitely donate to us. You can do that by going to openedit.fm slash donate for a one-time donation or head over to our Patreon starting at $1 a month. And that's a suggestion. You can always go higher <laughs> at patreon.com slash openended. Yes. Um, and last but not least, you want to find us on Twitter. We are at openendedfm. My personal handle is underscore James T. Green. And I'm at Share Musings. And you can also hit us up if you have questions. We love answering questions when we don't have guests. And that's for our open up segment. We haven't had it in a while, so you guys should bring it back. To do that, you can go to our ask hole at ask.fm slash openendedfm. Or you can use the hashtag on Twitter, ask openended. You can contact us at openendedfm slash contact. Email us at the openendedpodcast at gmail.com. And... 
wherever else you can find us. Yeah. And we will be back next week in Chicago. <laughs> We're heading to Chicago really soon, and we can't wait to come back to you, although we love Cleveland, and we hope to come back here soon. Yeah, because honestly, like, Y'all food is good. I wh- where was that pizza place we went to Edison. yesterday? Edison. Shout out to Edison. Yes, can we talk about Edison real quick before Edison's we close this fire. episode? Edison was fire. I had it this morning. I mean, that's why my stomach hurts, but like in a good way. Edison was like the best pizza I've had in like some time. And guys, Edison was born in Ohio. Yeah. Like r- the real shout Thomas out to Edison. Yeah, and shout out to like the air out here not smelling like piss. It's great. <laughs> It's crisp air. There's trees. So thank you, Cleveland, Ohio. Thank you for hosting us and allowing us to travel here and be, you know, incredibly um, hospitable and just kind to us and welcoming. So as we say at the end of every week and as we say goodbye to Christina. Keep things open-ended. Post loudness.